This morning we're going to be jumping into 1 John. 1 John I've preached from a couple times over the, the last couple years, continuing to, to work through. And so this morning we're going to look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 12 through 17. Let's start by reading the passage. It says, I am writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I am writing to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I am writing to you, young men, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I write to you, fathers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I write to you, young men, because you are strong. And the word of God abides in you, and you have overcome the evil one. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. Not even once. Not even once. For some reason, I remember that slogan from when I was in high school in Great Falls, Montana, for a campaign put together for the state to dissuade people from trying and using methamphetamine drugs. And I remember some of the information and the ads talking about how addictive this drug was and how once you experienced that high, there was little chance of turning back. If marijuana was a gateway drug to get you to experiment, meth was the one to which you couldn't recover. Now, I was and to a certain extent continue to be a rule follower. I was really never around or offered any sort of drugs when I was growing up. So I was really spared from the idea of that slogan, not even once. But the difficulty of substance abuse and addiction was made real to me when I attended Celebrate Recovery a few times to support and encourage some friends right here in this church when First Baptist at the time actually hosted the weekly Celebrate Recovery meetings. And I was struck by the healing that was occurring in the lives of the people who attended. A healing that, praise God, some people in this room have experienced either secondhand or firsthand. But mostly I was struck in attending these Celebrate Recovery meetings by how easily relatable it is that we are all addicted to or can easily become addicted to something. Right? That we're all seeking or you, we're all looking to worship something. And in a lot of cases, in our fleshly response, 
We incorrectly look to fill this God-sized hole in our hearts with something that truly will not satisfy. In our pain and in our difficulty, in our seeking and in our aspiration, we're looking to find and place a pleasure or deeper yet an identity or a purpose for our lives in something that will not deliver that. And the more we try to fill that hole that's meant for God with something that is not God, the farther removed from Him we become. The more we try to do it on our own, to fill it in our own way, to do it the way we want to do it, the more miserable we are. The more desperate we become, the more our identity, or at least our understanding of our identity, spirals out of control when we try to fill things, fill our heart with created things instead of admiration for our Creator. And so as we look this morning at 1 John chapter 2, verses 12-17, through 17, we're going to look at it really in, in two parts. First, looking at the command provided in verses 15-17, through 17, do not love the world or things in the world. And then looking at our identity as believers and the encouraging truths that we have in Christ Jesus as those whose sins have been forgiven, who know the Father and Him who was from the beginning, and as those who have overcome the evil one are strong, and the Word of God abides in us. So with that, let's jump into looking at the command laid out in verses 15 through 17. Again, verse 15 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. Hard stop. That's the command. That's what we've been given by the Apostle John through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to obey. Do not love the world or the things in the world. As we look at and consider this command, it's not the first command that we've seen here in the book of 1 John. If you recall from the last time I preached way back in July, and in fact just flip right back to the previous set of verses in your Bible, we're right on the heels of a very important command, the command to love your brother. And these two commands then become quite related. They're connected. They go hand in hand. One, a positive affirmation. Do love your brother, right? Your fellow believers in Christ. And one, a negative. Don't love the world or the things in the world. When we 
see this command then in chapter or in verse 15 of chapter 2, we can actually begin to trace it back toward the correlation to the Ten Commandments provided by Moses, which John Baumgartner gave an overview of sermon a couple weeks ago when we looked at Deuteronomy chapter 5. We see this command with a clear relation to the second commandment. Look in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 8, in the first half of verse 9. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God. If we begin to love the world and the things of this world, we see the outworking of what this commands against in this second commandment. If you love the world and the things of the world, do you find yourself bowing down to your worldly desires? Do you find yourself serving your own comfort with the perfect schedule or finding that perfect number in your sleep number bed so you get the perfect sleep so you can operate exactly how it should be? Do you bow down and serve the created pageantry of entertainment? Compromising nothing to make sure you catch that football game. Or making sure that that TV show is at the top of your highlight of the week. Or making sure that you have that time at the end of the day to scroll through your social media and make sure you can get that enjoyment that, man, if I don't have this, I'll be wrecked. Do not love the world and the things of this world. You're probably thinking, come on, Blaze, lighten up a little bit. Sure, I like to watch football on Sundays, and sure, I like having my schedule arranged, and sure, it's important for me to get a good night's sleep. What's wrong with enjoying this downtime? What's wrong if I really enjoy those things? Is that really the worst thing? Am I really being disobedient to the commands of the Lord? <laughs> I may like those things, but I don't bow down and serve those things. Do I? Now, I can't answer those objections for you, and am not the judge or jury, only the Lord is, but encourage you to think about and consider today and throughout this week, what are those things that you are serving? Encourage you to Spend a couple minutes praying Psalm 139, 29, 23, and 24, which says, 
Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. I encourage us, Buffalo City Church, to ask the Lord to reveal the affections of your heart. And if there is any created thing that is taking your affections from the Lord, throw it out. Throw it away. Cast it into the sea and trust that the Lord is sufficient for all your affections. Brothers and sisters, this is a serious issue. This isn't something that we can flippantly dismiss. That we should take a couple minutes to think about and never forget about again. No, this is something that we should continually ask the Lord, search me, O God, and know my heart. Remember in chapter 2, verse 1 of this book, the Apostle John is reminding us of the seriousness of sin. This entire book, he's saying, is written because he says, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. And then in chapter 2, verse 3, we're spurred on to obey all that he's commanded, to cast off our sin. He says, by this we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. Commandments that are difficult, like do not love the world or the things in the world. We also see then that this command has a, a relation to another of the Ten Commandments, the Tenth Commandment. See in Deuteronomy chapter 5, verse 21, And you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, and you shall not desire your neighbor's house, his field, or his male servant, or his female servant, his ox, or his donkey, or anything that is your neighbor's. You see, when we start to seek and take notice of created things, in our sinfulness, there's always something better. I like our house, but man, if we had the double stall garage like the Joneses have across the way, man, wouldn't that make my life easier than having to scrape off the ice in the morning? I love my wife, but I bet that guy's wife doesn't. And the only way to combat the sin of covetousness is to seek and obey the command to not love the world and the things of this world. To truly acknowledge with all that you say and do, to agree with what 
Jesus said in Matthew 6, 19, and 21, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If we're focused on the Lord and the things that are eternal, we don't worry about our neighbor's things. We don't worry if we have the next best gadget or thing that's going to make our lives better. Instead, we're focused on the things of the Lord. So we see to do love your brother and don't love the things, the world or the things in the world. It starts to put a perspective on our priorities. As a believer in Jesus Christ, value those around you and cast off the things around you. Again, value those around you and cast off the things around you. When you start to do that, you quickly find that if you start to value things too much, right? If you start to worry about all the things, you quickly find that you don't have the time or the energy or the ability to care for the souls around you. And conversely, if you obey the command to love your brother and to do it well, to care about those to our left and right, the things of this world around you are of little time and little importance. You see, we are choosing more than we even care to realize with our time and our treasures and our talents to focus on advancing the things around us to the detriment of the people that the Lord has placed in our midst. Again, we're good at excuses. You say it's, it's hard to put blinders on, Blaze, to focus, to not focus and to not worry about the created things, right? I, I still have to get to work, and we have to make sure that everyone's taken care of. But if we're honest with ourselves, and a lot of times we put our time and our treasure and our talents towards arranging the things around us because they obey us, right? The things don't talk back. The things don't have their own thoughts. The things don't make it messy or difficult for us to handle and, and deal with what's going on. 
It's not easy to love or care for one another. Any of us who've been intimately involved in each other's lives know that it gets messy in a hurry. But it's by the strength of Christ that we've been called. It is truly the work of the saints, holy and set apart for His purposes, that we care well for the souls around us and cast off the things around us. Folks, when you say it's difficult to love those around us, that's true. But you've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to do it. In verse 17 then, the Apostle John, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, provides, I think, a very helpful perspective as we consider those around us and the things around us. He reminds us the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. You see, as beloved and holy, rescued by the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ, we have been renewed and transformed from temporal or temporary to eternal. Our eyes have been opened and we can see and know, value and appreciate from the perspective of Christ Jesus, we can value and appreciate the things which are from heaven, not the things here which rust and moth destroy. We acknowledge in this pursuit to love our brothers and to not love the world that on this side of Christ's return, we have and are hindered by our flesh and our sinful nature. Our sinful desires, unable to be fully and completely overcome without the shed blood and atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ. These commands throughout Scripture remind us that we alone are unable to keep His commands but have been provided a way to eternal life by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. And with that, we have been set apart and have an identity, characteristics imparted to us by God through Jesus Christ. Which I think verses 12 through 14 then give us a good understanding of Right? They give us some very foundational truths of who we are. Right? We have this command that there's no way that we can keep. But Jesus says, I've got you. I'm holding you in my righteous right hand, and I have imparted to you these things, brothers and sisters. We see we've been imparted with, first and foremost, our sins being forgiven. 
which we see in verse 12. Secondly, we know the Father and Him who was from the beginning, which it references a couple times in verses 13 and 14. And third, we have overcome the evil one, are strong, and the Word of God abides in us from verses 13 and 14. Now, if we start looking at verses 12 through 14, at first glance, we can maybe start to ask ourselves why the Apostle John uses the device, I am writing to you, insert age group, right? Little children, fathers, young men. If we look then at the context of this whole, lot, whole letter of 1 John, it serves really as a personal plea to lay out the known truths of Jesus and the truths that have been imparted to those following him. In fact, a, a lot of the letter points towards the eternal life we have in Christ Jesus because of these truths. says in later in the letter in chapter 5 verse 13 I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of god that you may know that you have eternal life throughout the letter it lays out who jesus is and what he has done and what believers are asked to do to walk as he walked to be in the light as he is in the light It also reminds us the very difficult truth that the outworking of our faith in Jesus Christ is the obedience to His commands. In this letter, the Apostle John is writing to a church who's undergone a split because many of the people who were a part of this church did not believe the the deity of Christ, that he truly was God. One with the Father existing from the beginning. And so here the Apostle John is reminding the remaining true followers of Christ who they are because of who he is and what he's done. And while addressing specific age groups or demographics is used to grab the attention of the readers, the truths are really universal for all believers in Christ Jesus. Some of these, all of these, in fact, are really key theological truths. That you know him who is from the beginning, that you have overcome the evil one. And he repeats these things in this section for emphasis. So I want to take a, a little bit of time here then and just look at these three kind of groups of truths reminding us that as believers in Jesus Christ, this is truly our identity. 
First, your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. Your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. We are freed from sin to no longer sin because of the forgiveness provided in Christ and Christ alone. While we fall short of obeying his commands to love our brothers and to not love the world or the things in the world, we are thankful that we have a merciful, forgiving God who gave his one and only son to be the atoning sacrifice for our sin. A God who can't look the other way in the face of sin for righteousness sake, but instead completely and fully takes the wrath of sin upon himself. For those who believe, who walk in the same way that he walked, as it referenced earlier in chapter 2, your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. To the glory of God, your sins are forgiven. Second, we know the Father and Him who was from the beginning. Referring back to 1 John chapter 1, verses 1 and 2, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon and have touched with our hands, concerning the word of life, the life made manifest. This is reminding us here that Jesus was, in fact, from the beginning. And from the Gospel of John, which Caleb has been preaching for for quite some time now, chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. As believers, we know the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, who spoke all things into existence in the beginning. The Word became flesh in Christ Jesus and dwelt among us, fully God and fully man. These folks are foundational truths of our God. And in, again, the context of this letter, these were truths that really didn't allow those who left this broken church to believe. Right? They couldn't fathom or even imagine. Most importantly, they couldn't step out in faith to believe that that was their God. But we're given this. We're reminded this through His Word. Finally, we have overcome the evil one are strong, and the Word of God abides in us. What a reassuring truth, Buffalo City Church. In our moments of weakness, in our 
moments of despair and difficulty. We know that we have overcome the evil one, are strong, and the word of God abides in us. When anxiety and fear and doubt momentarily overcome us, we may rest in knowing that as followers of Jesus Christ, the battle has been won. We are strong, and the word of God abides in us. So while you may feel discouraged or taken aback by the difficulty or inability to obey his commands, while you may be discouraged that you can't love your brother well enough, or discouraged that you find yourselves loving the world or the things in this world, May we repent and believe Him who has forgiven our sins, who was from the beginning, who has overcome the evil one and given Himself so that His Word may abide in us. May we, Buffalo City Church, be freed by our identity in Christ Jesus to obey all that He has commanded. So in conclusion, I think this text really lends itself to a couple key considerations and implications, a couple of which I've alluded to already. But first, give up everything that fights for your affection for Jesus Christ. As worshipers, we easily find satisfaction, enjoyment, and even lust after things which ultimately will not satisfy our souls. If we check our hearts and ask the Lord to reveal our sin to us, we see things that our affections are toward, that are not God-honoring, but in most cases are self-honoring. We're given a very stern warning to not love the world or the things in the world. This isn't the only time we see this. It's littered throughout Scripture. And again, we can see the seriousness to which Jesus takes sin and casting it away. When we look at Matthew chapter 5, verse 29 and 30, he says, if your right eye causes you to sin, tear it out and throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body be thrown into hell. If your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off, throw it away. For it is better that you lose one of your members than that your whole body go into hell. And as you ask the Lord to reveal to you where your affections may be incorrectly positioned, here's a couple of things to, to think about or maybe places to look. First, where do you find yourself becoming emotional, maybe frustrated or angry about? Man, I can't open up news about the state of politics in America without getting frustrated and discouraged, hopeless about what this country's going to. 
Stop looking at it. Stop reading it. Stop convincing yourself that you need that. Can't just stop looking at the news, can I? How am I going to know what's going on? I need to know what's going on. Do you? Or deep down, do you kind of like the mud throwing that you see? Deep down, do you kind of like saying, you know what, if I can blame them, then I don't have to worry about myself. At least I'm not as bad as that guy, you say, as you turn on Fox News or CNN. Cut it out. It's causing you to sin. And it's better to cut off your love for news and the drama that exists there than to sin because of it. Another place to look of where your affections may be. What do you really look forward to at the end of your day or at the end of your week? What created thing? Are you looking forward to that vacation that will rescue you in, a three, mo in three months? Man, I can't wait to get out of here. That will be the day. Man, I can't wait to get some peace and quiet when those kids go to bed. Or that sip of Merlot at the end of the day. Stop relying or looking toward the temporal or temporary when the eternal is within you. Looking out a little further, one day, one week, six months, five years, is not an eternal perspective. Look instead at the fulfilling and eternal goodness of God. The final place I'm going to ask you to look as you consider giving up everything that fights for your affection for Jesus What do you move whatever obstacle to make sure that you do it? What is that one thing that you're like, I'm not going to miss this. Whatever happens, I'm just rearranging my life to make sure that happens. Man, I'd be crushed if I missed the Vikings playoff game. I wouldn't. I'm a Packers fan. But... <laughs> Man, it doesn't matter what's going on that day. I am making sure that happens. Man, I wouldn't miss that for the world. If you're finding yourself that you're rearranging your life around these worldly pleasures or things that you enjoy, give it up. Cut it out. Stealing your affection for the love of our Savior. See what happens. Cut it out and see what happens.
Take a step to be obedient and seek not to love the world or things in the world. Watch God work. See his goodness and believe that he has overcome the world. Secondly, stop trying to do it on your own. We're good at this, right? Pick yourself up by the bootstraps, they say. You've got this. Come on, you can do it. Folks, we are weak and frail. We're prone to wander, quick to slip into sin and despair. Folks, we need the Lord more than we realize, know, and are willing to accept. Folks, we need the church to spur us on, to remember the truths of the Lord, and to walk in faith, to obey all that He has commanded because of the love that He has for us. Ladies and gentlemen, what are you or what's stopping you from committing more to the people on your left and on your right? What's stopping you from making sure that the things of the church, those who believe, those who are there to spur you on, is the most important element of your life? In most cases, it takes one simple, easy step. Again, step out in faith and join the men that pray on Tuesday morning. Step out in faith and be joined by a member of community group that gets together to pray and to spend time in his word together, reminding each other of the truths that he has commanded. Make sure that this place, this time, the Lord's Day is a priority for you. That it's not just an hour here and there, but is truly the object of the affection of your life. I encourage us, Buffalo City Church, to give the Lord your time and your treasure and your talents in obedience to His command to Allow yourself to rely on one another to spur each other on. Finally, final takeaway, repent and believe. Read a few times this week verses 12 through 14, which remind you of your identity in Christ Jesus. Meditate, pray, and consistently consider the truths that the Word of God has laid out about your identity in Him. Your sins are forgiven for His name's sake. You know Him who was from the beginning. You have overcome the evil one. You Know the Father. You are strong. 
the Word of God abides in you. And you have overcome the evil one. If any of these truths are hard for you to believe as a follower of Jesus Christ, I encourage you to consider what sins or sin is hindering you from this belief. As I've mentioned before, take that sin, cast it far away, repent and believe in the one who has saved you from sin and death. And so this morning we've seen a command and our identity. A command that warns us not to love the world and the things of this world. Again, don't fill that hole meant for God with created things. And as believers, the identity that we have in Christ Jesus as those whose sins are forgiven, who know the Father and Him who is from the beginning, and those who have come overcome the evil one are strong, and the Word of God abides in us. Remember, Buffalo City Church, those truths and our identity in them. May we walk in the light as He is in the light, seeking to obey all that He has commanded. Let us pray. Lord God, we thank you for your word. Lord God, that you allow us to know you deeply and intimately because you have revealed the truth of who you are to us as your people. Lord God, I thank you for the local church. Lord God, for a group of people who has covenanted themselves together to spur one another on to love and good works. Lord God, I pray that we would be a people who consistently acknowledge and confess our sin. Lord God, that we would be a people who walk in the light of the Lord in fellowship with our Savior and with one another as your expression of the local church. Lord God, help us to take this warning seriously this morning. Lord God, to obey all that you've commanded and to give it all up for the glory of the Lord. Lord God, we are thankful that we are strong. Lord God, that you have given us strength to overcome the difficulties and challenges of our day to day. Lord God, we are thankful that the word of God abides in us. Lord God, may we take that to heart consistently this week and rejoice that we have been saved by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.